0: The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area.
1: Good to see all of you here this morning, and uh, I think uh, we'll have a good day as the ushers pass out the... Study sheets, if you would, please open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. All right, I think everyone has a study sheet. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 together. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I'll begin reading at verse number 14. We read here, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, We ask that you would indeed instruct us, that uh, we, would, um, we would follow after sound doctrine, and Lord, that we would dedicate our lives to the propagation of the gospel and the furtherance of, of your doctrine. Just bless us now, we ask, in this time, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so far as in our study of the benefits of doctrine, we've seen that good doctrine matures the believer. Uh, Good doctrine ministers to the believer. Good doctrine magnifies God in the life of the believer. We've seen that good doctrine equips the believer to live his life uh, for Christ and to the glory of God. And we've seen, number five, that good doctrine educates the believer and instructs us in righteousness. Now, this morning, I would like to look at number six in our study of the benefits of doctrine. And that is, good doctrine empowers the believer. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, we read, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Uh, we see that God's word is powerful. And it indeed is powerful. And God's word is authoritative. It carries with it consequences, and it carries with it great authority. So, of course, uh, when we we use the word here, when we talk about word, uh, it is understood here that the word referred to does not exclusively mean the written or penned word. So when we talk about the word of God, we're, talk, we're not simply talking about exclusively, we're not talking about scripture. Uh, certainly scripture is very much the word of God, and, and it, is, it is authoritative, as I said, it is powerful. Uh, but the, the usage of the term word here in Hebrews it implies a living word, as well as the written word. It is the same connotation in the Greek that we find in John 1.1. 1, 1. And in, of course, we all know John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So in its Greek context, the very same word used in Hebrews is the word used in John. And it definitely implies to the incarnate person of Christ Jesus Christ uh, it can be inserted in the beginning was Jesus and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God and so we know that when we talk about the word of God we're not simply only talking about the written word but we are talking about our risen Savior Jesus Christ and So when we say that good doctrine empowers the believer, we're not simply talking about by the education we receive from the written word. But we're also talking about the empowerment we receive from Jesus himself. But we certainly make no error when we use this verse to teach the power of the written word of God from which we teach and preach. Um, It is this written word from which we derive our doctrine. Uh, that's why we need to be certain that we use a, a, a Bible that does not change the meaning of God's word. Uh, so many times people say, well, I, it's hard to understand the old English. And and so I, I, I want a modern version that it in modern vernacular. Yeah, that's great. But the problem with that is it may take away from the meaning uh, involved. And, and, you know, by the way. It's easy to study the Bible in the Old English. All you need is an Old Dictionary. And uh, just just get in there and, and dig out what it means. Um, it is our standard. The Word of God, the Scripture, it's our standard. It's our supreme authority in all matters of faith and life. It is our supreme authority. If my life does not agree with the Word of God... What should I change? Should I change the Word of God to fit my life? Or should I change my life to fit the Word of God? And so we see the authority of Scripture. It has, it has supreme authority in all matters of faith and life. Um, consider the words of one of the greatest Americans of all time, uh, General George Washington. In one of his inaugural addresses, George Washington stated this, It is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. He didn't say it's difficult. He said it is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. And that is because, that is because God and the Bible are the final authority in all things. Um, There's a, there's a, a saying that goes around, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, I got news for you. God said it, and whether I believe it or not, that settles it. Uh, God's word is not subject to my belief. Uh, his, the authority of his word, I should say, is not subject to my agreement. Whether I agree with it or not, God's word is, is, is the final authority and has supreme power. Um, this is the belief, by the way, upon which our nation was founded. The men and women who, who founded our nation believed that God was the was the supreme authority and the final authority in all matters of faith and life, not the philosophies of the liberals, though they would have you believe that that's the foundation of our nation. A quick a quick reading of the of the um, Constitution of the United States would definitely show you that the the majority of people founded founding this country had a deep love and respect for God. Now, we know that all power has been given to the Son of God. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, we read, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Um, I enjoy watching science programs. Uh, I have a harder, more difficult time watching them since I became a believer, because, of course, it's all based on on evolution and, and, and the Big Bang Theory which, by the way, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. There was definitely a Big Bang. God created it. But there was definitely a Big Bang uh, at one time. And they're right about that. They're just wrong as to the source of the Big Bang. But I enjoy watching those programs. I was watching one just recently. And the physicist, this astrophysicist, was talking about how what a, what a, a tremendous, um, what was his words, a tremendous accident that the Earth's orbit is in just the right position. If we were one degree in orbit closer to the sun, life could not s- exist on Earth. And if we were one degree further out in our orbit, life could not exist. And what a what a what a, a chance it was that the Earth fell into the perfect orbit. And it was no chance. It was no chance. It's it's the hand of God that keeps the Earth in the orbit that He wants it to have. And um, uh, you know. Sometimes I think these, and the Bible talks about professing themselves to be wise, they became as fools and and these these scientists spend millions and billions of dollars trying to discover the the source of the of the universe and the origin of man, and Any of our first grade students on the other side in Sunday school class right now can tell you in the beginning, God created, and we are Men become foolish in their vain imaginations. But all power is possessed by Jesus Christ. And Jesus has chosen to place a portion of that power upon the witness of his people. Uh, This power is passed through the teaching and preaching of the word of God. The power that we have in in our witness comes from, passes through, the the empowerment of God's Word. Our witness. Not just the verbal witness we give to someone that we come across and we tell them the Gospel, but what else is a witness? Can can anyone tell me what else is a witness? What about our life? What about who I am? How I behave? How I conduct myself at work? Or... uh, in business. This too is a witness, is it not? And my life is empowered by, by the word of God, by God himself. So this is why it becomes so important. That we live disciplined, holy, righteous lives. That we understand that at every moment of our life, we are presenting ourselves as a witness To someone, even if you're at home, raising your children, um, you are presenting a witness to that child as to your faith in the father. Uh, At the job, how you conduct yourself on your job, what you do is a witness to your boss and to your co-workers as to what a Christian is. So we we need to understand that, that that. this witness has been. This power has been placed upon you and I as witnesses to the glory and the grace of God, uh, and it comes through the teaching and preaching of His Word. It comes from our doctrine, and this is why doctrine is so important. Paul states in First Corinthians chapter one, verses seventeen and eighteen, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of not with wisdom of words lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. You know, some of the people you know probably think you're pretty foolish. You get up every Sunday morning and you go to church and you give 10% of your income and you, you don't, at least you shouldn't, drink or smoke or curse or, or involve yourself in immoral things. And and the world would look at us and they'd say, Why? I've had people at work ask me that. I, 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 I mentioned to one of them the other day I have not had a I have not smoked a cigarette or drank any liquor for thirty five years. And she looked at me and said, Why? And I said, because I am a child of God. And she looked at me very peculiar. Very strangely. She said, well, that's nice. That's nice. And I I said, yes, it is. It is nice. Um, We are to conduct ourselves. um, And and, and the way we live our lives is often foolishness to the world. But call me a fool for Christ. Because I prefer to live my life pleasing God rather than pleasing men. And, and that, that's any men. Um, even my own family at times. Not my immediate family. But even my family back in Louisiana. My mother and father. My, my father actually showed me the door once and asked me to get out of his house. Uh, and, and so it puts us at odds at times with, with our family. But it is, it is the power of God. And we must understand that. Now, we long ago established in our study of doctrine that that doctrine is teaching. So it goes without argument that good and right doctrine is empowered by the Lord. It has an effectual working in the life of those who hear it. Now, I want to discuss with you this morning, um, the last 20 minutes I have, um, three things that I see from the power of God. First of all, letter A Uh, it effectually, it has the power to convert. The word of God has the power to convert. In Psalm 19 and verse 7, we read, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Now, let me just state here, not only does... Does the word have the power to convert the soul? But it has the power to convert the heart as well. Um, if, if the only thing the word of God had the power to do is convert the soul, but it did not affect our hearts. then we would become saved, but we would continue to live the way we did before. You see, and, and that's one of the that's one of the tests of truth is that a person who gets saved changes. Does he not he changes. Behold, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now we could go around the room and give each of you a moment of testimony, and you could you could share with us how the moment you were saved, it, it you were transformed. I mean, for me it was it was incredible. I, I know this is Probably a, somewhat of a cliche, but when I walked out of that little church building that morning, the grass was greener, the sky was bluer, the birds, I'd never heard them sing like that before. Everything was so miraculous. Why? Because my heart had been changed. My mind had been changed. I had, I had been transformed by the, by the power of God's word. And it has the power to convert. It is the word of God that imparts faith unto the believer. In Romans chapter 10, we read, But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now, again, that word is not just the Bible. I remember. I remember we were out in Louisiana. I was out with a couple of men in the church, and we were out fishing in the bay, and a, 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 a quick storm came up. So we, we saw a little, a little shack. Um, they have little little houses up on the stilts out there in the bay for the guys who go around reading the gauges on the, on the gas wells, and if they get caught in a storm or something like that, they, they duck into one of those sheds, the shacks, and they stay there until it clears up. So we headed over there, and we stepped inside, and there was a man there. There was a man in there already, and we were in there for a while, so I started witnessing to him. And I started telling him about Jesus, and I started, I started quoting scripture to him. Now, we don't need to have the written word to witness to someone, but we do need what? The word of God. We do need his word, the authority and the power behind his word. So that's what that's what Paul is saying in Romans when he says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God and to God's elect. uh, This word of faith is given unto us through the preaching of the word of God. Romans chapter 10 and verse 8 we read, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Faith is not something that we gain by our own volition. Um, I don't develop faith on my own. Not spiritual faith. The Father, through the Son, gives us faith by the working of the Holy Spirit through the preaching of His Word. And it is God that imparts truth to you and I. It is God that gives us faith. In Romans chapter 12, and verse 3, we read, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So Paul states that it's God that that, that grants the faith. It's God that grants the faith to believe, to accept the truth that is being given to you, to receive it, and and to take it into your heart and mind. So, what he's saying is, before we start walking around and and strutting about like a big tom turkey, let us remember that it is God that gave us the faith to believe. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, we read, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, a quick reading of that, a lot of people say, well, what that verse is saying is that grace is a gift from God. And it is a gift from God. But the term, the, the term there, it is the gift of God, is actually applying itself to the faith discussed in this verse and not the grace. Uh, any English teacher will tell you that that is a, 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 an article it is the faith of God is is an article um, modifying the 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 phrase uh, the faith of God. or you are saved through faith? So we understand that the faith to believe is a gift from God. So having faith comes from the power of the word of God. And we we, we certainly exercise our faith and, and we do, but only because God has given us the faith to exercise. Only because he has imparted to us understanding and knowledge, which we cannot receive. Remember, Scripture tells us that spiritual things, um, natural men cannot receive the things of God, for they are spiritually discerned. And so, natural men, unsaved men, do not accept the truth. They do not receive the truth given to them in the gospel, because they have not been given the power and authority to believe. They don't have the faith. Believe, and that's because the faith is given by the Father. Therefore, we can certainly declare that faith comes from God, and we can further declare that it is passed to us through the Word of God. And it is established that this important faith is via the medium of teaching and preaching. Thus, we can rightly determine that the Word of God has the power to save. And this then empowers our doctrine, and makes the doctrine that we follow very, very important. If 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 you follow the doctrine of a false teacher, will you find salvation? No. If you follow the doctrines of a uh, the corrupt doctrine of, of of the um, evangel the TV evangelists out there, are you gonna are you gonna find uh, salvation? probably not but if we follow the true doctrine of the word of God as given to us and assured to us through the Holy Spirit of God then we find we find truth and that truth uh, comes to us in in the means of faith from the Father and we are saved and converted by the grace of God not that we deserve it not because we're any better than anyone else but simply because God has bestowed upon us grace. Now I don't understand it. I don't understand why He chose me. I wouldn't have chosen someone like me. If I if I had if I had the power to grant the greatest gift of all to any man, it wouldn't be someone like me. And you can probably say the same thing about yourself. But it is God that has that has given us this faith, it is God that has us. It is God that has saved us through his power and the power of his word. So first this morning we see that the word of God or our doctrine has the power to convert. But then secondly, I want us to notice that it has the power to cleanse. Not only does it have the power to convert. But it has the power to cleanse. In Psalm 119 and verse nine, we read, "Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way?" And the psalmist answers the question by taking heed according to Thy word. So, the psalmist asks the question, "How can how can a man cleanse his way? How can a young man uh, cleanse up his life? How can he how can he cleanse cleanse the way in which he lives?" And the answer is, by the word of God, plain and simple word of God. Now, of course, we understand here that we are referring to spiritual cleansing. Um, There are several scriptures that I could turn to in developing this point, but for time's sake, let me look at just a few. Uh, First, let us concede uh, that when we state that we are spiritually dirty, we're talking about what? Sin. When we say that we are spiritually spiritually dirty, we're talking about a sinful life. Our life filled with sin. So, sin is defined as the transgression of God's law. Sin does the Scripture, sin, uh, so does the Scripture assure me that it can keep me from sin? What do you in Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart um, that I might not sin. Against D, So yes. The answer is most assuredly yes. The word of God has the power to keep me from sin. Now this is interesting. Because if the word of God has the power to keep me from sin. Then why do I sin? You ever think of that? And the answer is simple. Because I live in the flesh. When I live in the flesh, I sin. When I live in the spirit, I do not sin. But can any of us in this room live perfectly in, in the spirit? Well, we should be able to, right? We should be able to, but we choose not to. And that's important for you to understand. We choose not to. I don't sin because I have to sin. Because I don't have to sin. When, when I got saved, God empowered me to live a righteous life. That's why he told me to live holy. God would not tell me to do something he hasn't empowered me to do. And God said, be ye holy as I am holy. So God has empowered me to live a holy life. God has empowered me to live a life free from sin. Not, not because I'm somebody special but because of, the, because of the Spirit within me, because of the power of the Word of God within me. I have been empowered by God to conquer sin. But I choose to sin. And therefore, um, I fail. Now, God has empowered us uh, to, to be clean. The, 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 the power of the, of the gospel The power of the word of God will cleanse us and it has cleansed us as God has separated sin from us as far as the east is from the west. He has chosen to forget our sin. When when you when you talk about your past, God is is, does not remember that he has no further knowledge of that because he has chosen to forget it and he has cleansed us from it. Right. Right. So why do we continue to live in sin? That's, that's something we need to understand. Now, the power of God, the word of God effectually teaches us to deny all sin and worldly lust and to live a holy life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So one may concede this point but question the longevity of the influence of the Word of God. So some, someone may say, yeah, okay, I understand. I got saved, and, and the power of God um, cleansed me from all sin, but how long can that power hold out? What's the longevity of, of that power of God? Well, in Psalm 19, and verse 9, we read, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring, how long? Forever. So David continues his expository on the Word of God, The use of the term, the fear of the Lord, uh, remains in harmony with his analogy of the word of God. What exactly is he saying by stating that it endures forever? Well, the Mosaic law is done away with. Ceremonial law is done away with. But the gospel endures for all eternity. That's what Jesus was saying when he said, um, when he said, all things shall pass, but not one word of God shall, shall, shall pass. The word of God is the authority. Its, it's, it's, a, it's power reaches into eternity. And it never fails us and it never never leaves us. Mosaic law is done. Moses' Moses's law was done away with by, by Christ. The ceremonial law was, is, is gone. No longer today does it have authority in our lives. But it, the gospel lives on forever. The, the word of God will never die. It will never end. Forever, O Lord, hast thou preserved thy word. In, in Psalm 119, verse, verse 89 through 91, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is to all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. They continue um, this day according to thine ordinances for all thy servants. Forever, O Lord, is thy word settled in heaven. So we 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 see that the Word of God has the power to convert. The Word of God has the power to cleanse, to cleanse us, to, to, to help us to overcome and conquer sin in our lives. But then thirdly, this morning and lastly, it has the power to command. The Word of God has the power to command. In Isaiah chapter fifty five and verse eleven, we read so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Now, the ability ability to command rests upon the establishment of authority. It is impossible for one to command without the authority to back up the orders. Uh, my father commanded me and he had the power to back it up right when i was in the military the the officers above me gave me orders and to 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 disobey their orders came at a consequence why because they had authority they had authority to give that order and behind them was the authority of the President of the United States. You see, you can't command if you don't have authority. So the Word of God can't command us if it has no authority. The Word of God, it would be meaningless to us. I'm sorry, my tongue is not woke up yet. The Word of God would be meaningless to us unless it possessed the authority and the power of God. I can think of no better scripture to demonstrate this authority than the stern warning given by our Savior in Luke chapter 12, where he states, And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Now, I'm sure that when you realize when we speak of the fear of the Lord, we're referring to respect or adoration. Um, I I had a fear for my father, but that fear was was one of respect. It was one of of adoration for him. Uh, I didn't fear physical harm from my father. Uh, I, I I never feared that my dad would come home and beat me up. Never, never had that fear. Not one time. Um, my father earned my respect, and I respected him. And I, I feared the consequences of poor actions, not because he would hurt me, but because of what I would do to him. You understand what I'm saying? I was so worried about hurting my dad. I was never worried about my dad hurting me. But I was very afraid of hurting my father by my actions, by the things I would do. And so I obeyed him. Not all the time, but most of the time. I did a pretty good job of it. I especially knew what time he was coming home. And I knew 30 minutes before he got home to straighten up. Of course, it didn't help because Mama kept the list. So when Daddy got home, they they, they discussed in private and I used to try to cut in on that meeting because I wanted to make sure I was not the subject of that meeting, but it didn't always work. When we talk about the fear of the Lord, we're talking about respect. However, we cannot dismiss Christ's statement in verse 4, be not afraid of them. Uh, yes, we are to fear the Lord, uh, and the fear of the Lord does Im- imply respect and adoration. However, it doesn't hurt for us to be afraid of the wrath of God as well. Right? Uh, The wrath of God is not something that we want to deal with. So we don't want to see the wrath of God come down upon us. So it is healthy to to have a fear of the wrath of God. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 30 and 31, we read, For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth to me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. Now listen to what it says in verse 31. It is a fearful thing, to fall into the hands of the living God. Now, I don't think that you and I, as as believers, have anything have have to fear the wrath of God upon ourselves individually, because God has judged our sin through Christ, and He may chasten us as a father in love chastens his children. But God's wrath will not will not unleash, unleash itself upon me um, directly. But you know what? We live in a wicked country, don't we? And the wrath of God can fall upon this nation, and guess what? We have to deal with that too. So it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, and we are to, that's why we are to pray, that's why we are to to strive uh, with our time we have here to be a good example and and, and to, to, to try to, I mean, remember, the, Jesus, uh, our, our God would have spared Sodom and Gomorrah for ten righteous people, but there were not ten righteous people to be found. So, we must indeed fear the Lord. And now the ability to command, I'm about done, not only requires authority, it also requires respect. People do not follow who they do not respect. They do not respect those they do not fear. So God indeed is worthy of our fear and reverence, and his word imparts this authority unto us. So we see today, God's word has the power to convert. It has the power to cleanse And it has the power to command the believer. And our doctrine, if it is founded in the truth of the word of God, uh, empowers us as believers in Christ. There's so much more I I could say and want to say, but I just don't have time. But God's good doctrine empowers the believer uh, in Christ our Lord. All right, folks, that's all we have time for today. Thank you for being here. I hope it was a blessing to you and you are dismissed.
0: dot